Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's the NFL, the NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your reward. Again, promo code B-L-E-A-V. That spells BELIEVE. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group, and as always, joined here by my co-host, former UCLA linebacker, Josh Woods. Playoff Josh, what's good, man? You know, I mean, I'm happy about playoffs, but kind of pissed (laughs) off about the other playoffs. I feel like with everybody else kind of disappointed that um, UCLA was still ranked 12 again after mm-hmm. a win with all the losses and all the close games that happened. Um, I expected some type of movement, you know. And- you, 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 I, I'm, I'm getting the impression you feel like a lot of other people in the fan base do, and we'll talk about it. They feel disrespected. Uh, the Bruins were number 12 for a second consecutive week. Um, I spent most of my time on campus. I was kind of hanging out. Um, and I was just like, oh, okay, you know, they're going to be in the top 10 um, today, no problem. And they weren't. <laughs> it, it, it was interesting because, like, I saw Martin Jarman walk by. Like, I was in the alumni center or something. And, and he was walking by. I was like, oh, hey, Martin, hey. You know, it was about like he was it was just in passing or I would ask him, hey, are you excited about the rankings or something? But I didn't get a chance to do so. Um, but he seemed happy. He was in good spirits. And I'm sure the Bruins are, too. Overall, they're still ranked. Uh, depending on who you ask, they still may be in a position where they still have a shot at the playoffs. I still think they do. Um, obviously, they, they got to win their games. That's the most important thing. Um, there's the game against Arizona this <laughs> week and then the big one. Not too far away. Remember, right, Josh? We're not looking ahead to to the USC game. We need, yeah, let's let's we're, go one and zero this week. You got to go one and zero this week. But um, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I think the biggest thing is, even though we're not going to look ahead to the USC game, that's the biggest problem, and that's where the disrespect comes in in the playoff rankings, is because USC comes in at number eight, I believe. They they moved up one spot. Um, with all the chaos that kind of happened there with, um, you know, you had Clemson lose, you had Tennessee lose. They don't completely fall. You had Oregon move up a little bit, stuff like that. Um, so you would think UC, UCLA would at least get a spot. But I think what happened 
Well, because UCLA, no, LSU was ranked ahead of them. And I know some of the fan base for UCLA had issues with um, LSU being ranked ahead uh, kind of randomly, they felt, after the first ranking. So um, they earned their spot there. They knocked off Alabama. Um, I don't know. I feel like I talked to you before the rankings, but I guess we didn't, right? Um, UCLA is ahead, at least in the AP poll, um, ahead of Alabama and Clemson. Did we talk about that? Or was that on a space? We want Bama. Don't be doing that now. Don't get don't get yourself in trouble. I'm surprised folks aren't saying that though. Um, you might get bad. depending on how some of this stuff plays out. You might end up with a match, uh, a game here with Alabama. But no, um, if just looking at the resumes though, comparing USC and UCLA, and of course it doesn't matter because they're going to play in a week or so. U- USC does not have a team that is currently did not beat a team that is currently ranked in the in the in the CFP top twenty five. Oregon State was ranked in the CFP rankings last week, but then they lost to Washington. Washington is now number 25 or 23, depending. I get the AP and the CFP mixed up, but they're like a top 25 team now. Um, so they took Oregon State spot. So currently, no rank, no ranked wins for um, USC. They did lose by one point to Utah, but... Uh, UCLA beat but, Utah. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 like one of the main criteria or things, if you're gonna look at teams, rank teams, analyze teams, is you're supposed to go like, okay, how, how can we separate these two teams? One thing you're gonna look at is common opponents. And apparently that alone should be the difference, especially Utah is like a top 15 team, I think. Um, or they might even be 13. I think the 13 in the I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, what, which one? The AP or the CFP? I'm looking at the CFP. Okay. I mean, at yeah, the end of the yeah. day, this is the one that they're going to go on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's the one. That's the that's the one that matters. And so Utah's what, 13? Utah's 13. Okay. And so they got that right because UCLA beat Utah, so they should be there. Um, But it's so weird because Boo Corrigan, who's the AD – for NC State, and he's like the CFP spokesperson. He's the one who has to go up there and say what the committee decided on, whether he really believes it or not. Um, so he was saying, oh, yeah, we respect you, uh, UCLA. He said that twice, but do you really? He said it once um, when discussing Oregon and the fact that, oh, yeah, you know, Oregon has all these wins. They've bounced back and won like eight in a row or whatever since the loss of Georgia. Um, you know, one of their wins includes UCLA, who we have a lot of respect for. And then he's asked about why USC is ranked ahead of UCLA. And this is what he said. And this is a quote. I think the one point loss by USC at Utah going for two, the emotion of that game is something that the committee certainly has talked about. Corrigan said, that being said, there's a lot of respect as a, in, in, in there's a lot of respect for UCLA in that game with their one loss being by uh, being to Oregon by 15 at Oregon. So they respect them, but they don't respect them. Here, here's the resume again for uh, USC. USC does not have a a win over a ranked team, as I said. The Trojans also have three wins that were decided by eight points or fewer. That's Oregon State by three, Cal by six, and Arizona by eight. That alone doesn't sound very impressive. 
And Boo Corrigan also kind of mentioned like, oh, yeah, and Caleb Williams, I'm paraphrasing this part, he said, oh, yeah, Caleb Williams is pretty good. He has like 29 touchdowns. Yeah, and like it's just like so like I honestly feel like they're bump they're ahead because of the potential of what Caleb uh, with Caleb Williams and whatnot and Lincoln Riley being there and they can say that they have some guys that are hurt but they weren't doing much better when some of these guys were hurt. My thing is, there's a lot of things wrong with this, mm-hmm. just in general. SC being one of them. But SC is still riding on the Reggie Bush brand. I mean, I think that, like, what, SC football. Yep. Brand know, bias, they it, call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they, you know, the history of them, they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. It's the political answer to, yep. you know, have them hire. But just looking at this, all right, you have the undefeated team's top four. TCU, questionable. That was Texas Tech. It was close a little bit. A lot of their games, I think, have been close. And and real quick, not to fully interrupt you, even though I am interrupting you a little bit. I think that was the knock last week in the rankings on why TCU wasn't number wasn't like a top four team is because they had a lot of close or come from behind wins. But now they had another one of those this week, and then they moved them up to number four. So they like are showing giving mixed signals on on how they feel about TCU. But I think they put them in a position to now. They can stay in the spot as long as they win. But the first loss they take, then they're out. But go ahead. Who's number five? Okay. Having Tennessee and Oregon at five and six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Completely agree because they both lost to the team that's number one. Yep. Then you have LSU, seven and two. Mm-hmm. They should not be seven. You got the highest two loss team up in the rankings, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Has to be, yeah. Them and Bama having two losses kind of got to move them down. Mm hmm. Having SC at eight only makes sense if UCLA is at seven. Like for all the reasons that we said, mm-hmm. having Clemson ahead of us at ten doesn't make sense because Clemson lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Notre Dame. Who and... beat Notre Dame? Stanford. Stanford, right. Stanford beat them without scoring a touchdown. Who beat Stanford mm-hmm. bad? UCLA. So mm-hmm. by a common opponent mm-hmm. through that network of yeah. We circle of life there, yeah. Yeah, we should be ahead of Clemson. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, can't lie, have not watched a single game. I don't know who they lost yeah. to. I don't know whatever they, going on with them. They've either they've lost to like uh Bama or they've lost like Bama or LSU or Tennessee, some one of those teams at the very least. If I'm not mistaken. So say 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 you put Ole Miss at seven, you UCLA should be at about eight. And I guess you could put USC at nine. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with that. That makes the most logical sense of how teams are done, opponent, common opponent, all those things. They could say whatever they want about strength of schedule, mm-hmm. but USC hasn't. Who the, did they the, play? The, the thing is, too, it's kind of almost in a way, if you're one way to look at it is if you're UCLA is like you can say rank them as high as you want. Because when we beat them, then you at least got to swap the spot, right? You at least got to put them there or they got to be bumped up. But at the same time, it kind of makes you wonder, though, because of how low they're ranked. Like, this is how we view you, number 12. And even though my thing, too, was like they had a win where maybe they let Cal. um, I'm talking about UCLA. Yeah, they played. No, USC. They played Cal. Um, They beat Cal, but they let Cal kind of stay in the game. 
Arizona State and UCLA kind of did the same thing. But I feel like those are games they were supposed to win. They both won. Like, it's not like USC blew them out, blew Cal out, and there's a reason. There's no there's no reason for a four-spot gap between USC and UCLA. But I, I feel that because the bar is kind of set, like, this is how we view UCLA. They're number 12. They got to win, and they're still just number 12. And they did without Charbonnet, too, right? So they're just still number 12. So now when you, like, do they really, the question is, do they really have a shot in the playoffs? Because even if they do make it uh, to the conference title game and win it, you know, are you going to try and match that up with Tennessee? And are you going to put Tennessee in there? The only thing that it's a little difficult for even Oregon, because you can compare the Oregon and the Tennessee loss they both have to Georgia when you kind of look at those two teams, the the only thing is Oregon will be in the conference championship game. Tennessee will not. But, no, but I'm saying the only difference between that is that was Oregon's first game of the year. Mm-hmm. The, this the thing, was in a mid you know, a yeah. game where, you know, mm-hmm. you have identity. You've been playing for weeks. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the, that's two totally different teams. The thing about it is, too, is I feel like people don't realize, like, it was Dan. They say Dan, it was Dan Landing's first game as a head coach. But it was also the team he had just played, he was just coaching for. So, of course, they're going to know his whole defense and stuff, right? Like, they're going to know every. Like, I mean, it wasn't a fair game from the jump, to be honest. Like, their quarterback, you know, probably didn't even know the receiver's name at that point in the season. You know what I mean? I mean, he probably did. But it, it, it's just it's just kind of wacky. A lot of people say it doesn't matter, but at the same time, it does matter. Because I could see you rank at 12. Um when you want to take into account the non-conference schedule early on in, in the season or like for the first ranking for the CFP. But now that they won a game, you had some other teams kind of fall out a little bit. Um, I think the thing is just the teams that lost other than the Notre Dame one, Notre Dame beat who again? Oh, uh, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson doesn't have a shot Notre, in it no, anyways. So get them out. Notre Dame, Notre Dame is 20. Notre Dame was unranked and moved into 20. Um, I think just based on the fact that they beat Clemson. Other than that, there's no real reason they should be in there. Um, I think it's good that Washington is in there for UCLA because then that still gives them a ranked. If anything, it does better for them having Washington in there than Oregon State does because it gives it holds that um, that victory and boosts the resume because now you can say not. You know, it was an AP top 25 win when UCLA beat Washington. But now you can say that Washington team is still a top 25 ranked team in the CFP. Um, they just got to they just got to handle their business and um, and, and do what they got to do. If you're UCLA, uh, if you, we asked Chip Kelly during some of the media sessions this week, did he watch or, or do anything for the CFP? Was he aware of it? He said, yes, he watched it. And then we, we asked him, uh, did he have any thoughts on not moving up even though there were teams that won and, and others that lost there was some moving and shaking and this is what chip kelly had to say where it matters is four weeks from now a lot of football to, to be played between now and then so i don't think you can get caught up in it too late chip <laughs> i think it's good for television good for people to talk about espn gets a show out of it um people tune in but if you don't win your next four games then it really doesn't matter so i think our wait so i think we want to be in the conversation but the only way we can stay in the conversation is we have to continue to prepare well and be ready to play on saturday so that's what we can control obviously chip's big on control what you can control um you know chip chip's not 
the the thing is a chip worked for ESPN for a little bit, I think in between his transition from the NFL to UCLA. And so he understands how it goes. He knows it's a, it's just a show. These are no different than the LeBron special, to be honest, when he decided he was taking his talents to South Beach. It's kind of the same thing. Um, it, it's cool and all, but at the end of the day, it's just it's just filling a time slot. Um, but it gives us something to talk about. And it just kind of puts into perspective where people think UCLA is. I mean, hey, if, if you would have just said um, UCLA is going to be a top 15 team, if you would have told me that three years ago, I would have said, well, maybe, I guess. Um so they've come a long way, but I think we're at the point now where it's like there's there's still where, there's, where we've I don't know let's say we arrived, but I was saying this mm-hmm. beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, said, I we just we just kept we're kept you know we're just we're 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 on an upward trend. We're you're uh, the upward trajectory and all of that. The the it was weird. Someone mentioned in the UCLA sports community on Twitter. Oof, Twitter. That's been a mess lately. Um, mm. um, they they mentioned that the O line is doing its thing, and it's something that's not really talked about because we talk about DTR, we talk about um, Charbonnet and Kaz Allen and everybody, and and it brought up a good point. And it, I'm like, maybe I got to write about them at some maybe next week because it's like, and as we kind of transition here from uh, kind of previewing the Arizona game here, um, and moving away from the CFP stuff a little bit, but. It, it made me, it reminded me that I was like, man, I remember when we were talking about this team and I was thinking about the biggest question marks. And it's like, you lose Sean Ryan, Alec Anderson. And, and I'm just like, there's question marks about this offensive line. I wasn't entirely sure what was going to happen. And they're, they're doing their job and it's almost, they aren't getting the, recognized the way that they should be. I mean, they are a little bit, um, but it's kind of, it's just kind of interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Are any of these guys on the offensive line there when you were there? I guess John Gaines, Sam Marazzo, yep. we'll talk about in a second. Um, you weren't there for O'Neal, obviously. Duke. And Duke. Can you? Yeah. You, so what? Um, Duke was like a Neo, freshman? Neo, yeah. yeah. But it, Neo was still D-line. Oh, yeah. He was still on the defense when you were there. He's in his second year on the offensive line. So he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just those guys, um, can you tell me a little bit about them? I'm kind of curious about Duke because I really thought he might not against him, but I thought when he had Sam Marazzo there and he started the whole pandemic season, I thought he was going to come back and be the center. No problem. But they've stuck with Duke. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about Duke's kind of progression or what you saw from him early on? Did you know he would kind of become the guy that you thought he would? I don't remember what his star ranking was. I know John Gaines was like, a two or a three star and he's kind of maybe surpassed what was expected of him in terms of star rating. But like, um, what do you remember about a young Duke Clemens? Uh, very quiet, but he's still quiet. Very, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he was always just like a, I don't know how to explain it. Like he'd always be there. Very chill. I mean, he's always mm-hmm. like a good guy and like jokes around definitely when he gets more comfortable, but I think he's just football wise, very coachable. Um, at first I think, he came in, I want to say undersized, but smaller. And it's always like, mm-hmm. once like he grows into his size, like he's going to be dominant in a dog. It's Cause like his technique was always good. It's just sometimes he didn't have the size of a, you know, when boss second was playing center. Or, oh yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. I mean, and he was playing, I think he's playing guard. I think he had yeah. some time at guard, guard my, my last year. 
Mm-hmm. He um, started as a was he a freshman that year? Yeah, because I your first yeah, and he, it was him year. and yeah him and him and Sean started my as, last year. I remember that. Yeah, they as, started as true tackling true freshman tackling guard. Yeah, true freshman. Yeah. And like I said, like it was just a thing of for for him, it was just like getting bigger. I remember that was one of the main mm-hmm. the main things. Because like I said, um he's very coachable and able to pick up um, you know, what needed to be done is just it was just that and like he definitely natural has a look of a center. Mm-hmm. And he has the the capabilities and leadership and IQ of a of a center. So it was a matter of time, honestly. Someone we talked to during media availability this week was Sam Marazzo. And I've been saying this, for, uh, I've been thinking this to myself. I, I didn't, I haven't really said it yet. Um, we might write about him next week, but they've moved Sam Marazzo. Like he's number like 88 now or something. I've been and seeing that too. And he's going to be, he's, he's kind of getting in some packages. He's kind of joking around saying he's been standing next to the tight end coach a little bit. He's, he's not in a rush to work out with the tight ends and stuff because you know, he said they do like a lot more running and stuff. He said he'd rather still be with the O line and just kind of hit the hit the sled and stuff. Um, I'm not. I won't be surprised, Josh, if he scores a touchdown in, in the USC game. I'm predicting that that's going to happen. Mm. They haven't. I'm not saying they've practiced it or I've seen anything. I just think that's the kind of game where you're going to do something like that. Because why else would you put him there? I mean, yeah, he's a good offensive lineman. Like he, it adds more blo- linemen and blockers there on that line, especially when you're going to be running the ball um, with guys like Charbonnet and stuff. But like, it's got like I think there's something there, and I think he's kind of ready for it mentally. He's like, if the ball does come my way, I don't want to drop it. So he's like, kind of fully like, kind of going through with that in his head. Maybe that's a bad. Maybe is that maybe a bad? Maybe a bad thing that he's kind of running these scenarios through his head, knowing that if it does happen, like he might overthink it now. So when it does happen, you I want the know. right amount, you know, the right level of stress, mm-hmm. not too much, not too little, but at least he cares. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's like, it's a USC game, so it's kind of going to be stressful. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I have faith in Sam. I, I mean, I think, I think he'll do it. I and like, I, I like it's, it's as from a defensive perspective, like whenever there's an extra old lineman, mm-hmm. Do you take it it's seriously? Like you, you know, like I don't know. How to, it's like you know that they could go out, but you mm-hmm. always have in mind that there's no way that they let them go out for a route because they know you're guarding them. You know what I'm saying? Things yeah. Like that. So like, it's talked about, but I feel like defensive players always fall asleep because they just think that there's no way they're gonna test me with this guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but it's like, but if they do that, it, that, that, it would that, be on yes. the goal line though. Yeah. Yes, because you're thinking run. You're it's gonna. It has to be like a lot of movement, either play action, some type of boot, maybe like boot. Everybody's rolling one way. Sam mm-hmm. has to lick the other way. It has to be like something like that where you're catching somebody's eyes. Because if it's a straight up, like say he's at a regular tight end spot, mm-hmm. somebody's man to man on him. You know what I'm saying? So it, it takes a little bit of trickery, and I guarantee it would be set up. They're gonna run the ball, you know, a few times before they even leak him out. But because he's number eighty-eight, like they don't have to announce that. I don't think, right? Like I, like, no, you don't. It's because eligible, yeah. So it could just be he could. I mean, I don't know how you could just quietly put Samarazzo at the end of a line and think you're not going to notice it. But at the same time, like I'm saying, you could, it has to be set up. It right, needs to be right. Situations where he's out there just blocking, like doing max max pro with him at tight end, mm-hmm. doing you know 
just like running the ball a lot. It's when you lure them to sleep mm-hmm. and then play action boot. Sam Rousey wide open in the corner. Toss it to him. I think it's gonna. I just think a it's little, gonna, a little loft to him. Just a little, little something. I, I think it's gonna happen. Like again, uh, it just that would just be because, because I don't know if you saw the highlights or something for the um for the Oregon game, but they had. And yeah. I, did we talk about? I don't know if we talked about it last episode, but they had Bo Nix run out, uh, catch a touchdown. They had Noah Sewell, who's just a primary defensive guy. I think he played some fullback or something in high school. He ran in a touchdown. And then they had um, an offensive lineman. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And, and the and thing they, is, they, they were they all five-star guys. Wow. But they just, they were up yeah. by so many points. They were just trying stuff for fun. But but the whole thing is, when I saw that, I'm like, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this against Colorado? Like, what? But at the same time, it, it made sense after. Do you know, do you know why? Like, do you know, like, there's no, I mean, it's just kind of hi- hypothetical. But when you, when you see them do that against a team like Colorado, what do you think? Like they're what? just running it up for fun. <laughs> I mean, in a way, yeah, or maybe just it's, it's for times where it's like, oh, we can, we can, yeah, we can try this out because we know we're going to win this game, right? Which is almost disrespectful, and that's what I thought too. But then I heard someone say like they're putting on tape because they have Washington and that's their big rival, and they want to do it just to like give them something to think about. Like, here's one more thing to plan for, even if we don't ever do it again. And I'm like, I guess that's kind of smart. I mean, a hundred percent. You do put you you do put things. You either put things on tape or not on tape for those reasons. But I thought you would have saved it for the. I mean, it's you know they're a heavy favorite. I think but for the Washington if, game. But, but they put that out there because they know they got more in the bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if you can throw it, I mean, and that's the thing too. Like you already have to be aware of their onside kick. UCLA learned about that one. Right. So it's like and that and that's the thing, too, you know, going back to the CFP stuff, like when you look at Oregon, it's like, yeah, that was that Oregon team against Georgia. But now look where they're at. (laughs) Look at the things that they're doing. Right. It's like they're getting creative. They're they're kind of they know what they are. They they're comfortable. They wouldn't dare have done that. We won. No. Right. No. no, You know, you know, who has trick plays. Coach Fish in Arizona. Oh, yeah. He we ran a tight end no a left tackle screen to Colton Miller mm-hmm. in the because he head coached the bowl game in Arizona in twenty was that seventeen mm-hmm. and he ran a screen play to our left tackle Colton Miller starting left tackle for the Raiders oh, it yeah. didn't work but it was just the fact that he even tried it. and he had a, like trick plays throughout the year some throwbacks and things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they face any this weekend. Because what what do they have to lose? And he's playing a, a team that we didn't offer him the head coach job. Mm-hmm. So you never know what level of pettiness that will bring. Josh, the Josh, I don't you weren't obviously you weren't on the team last year. And and, and the Arizona State, not Arizona State, Arizona fans. They didn't, they didn't like me last year. Um, so we <laughs> we told I forgot who's who started. I think the Arizona reporters asked Jed last year because it was his first year with the team. They said, oh, you know, does it mean anything to you or whatever playing against Chip or or playing against your former team UCLA or like, do you know Chip or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, 
I know Chip. I he he was considering me for his offensive coordinator role with the Eagles. So they say that, or we see it on Twitter. And so the next day at practice, we asked Chip, "Oh, you know, we know you and Chip. Like, you know, or must be cool." Like he said, you considered him for his offensive coordinator job in the NFL. And Chip says, "No, I didn't." <laughs> And they went like, and then, and we're like, oh, he said you did. And he goes, oh, no, I don't remember that if I did or whatever. And then so we told the Arizona reporters and then they told Jed and he's like, he must not remember. And they got, we we were kind of facilitating this back and forth. Anyway, so I tweeted a story. I did a story about it or something. I had Jed Fish's wife tweeting at me i had one of the linebackers mothers tweeting at me saying i was causing drama and and yada yada they don't like me in arizona (laughs) it was just it was it was it was interesting um so then we were all waiting to see like at pregame like are they gonna embrace each other are they gonna pretend like they don't know each other um and it was like cool it was fine and so this game, I've I've tried this week. I've tried to be on my best behavior, so I don't have parents come after me for any reason. Because um, one of them was like, she she was like subtweeting me, doing the most. She was doing the most, and I was like, they weren't even good last year. They weren't. <laughs> they were like two and eight or something or whatever it was. And I was just like, more to worry about than than you. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm like, why are you guys like, what do you, what's going on? <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. You're but the, yours are the reason to blame for their season last year, probably. But it was just so weird. Like the wife was coming once the once Jed's wife like tweeted at me. I was like, oh please no. Like I'm not trying to. I just Mrs. I backed is, off. Is really nice. She's really really nice lady. Uh, she might be. Too, but so you you hit a you struck a chord. But she got Twitter fingers though because she was tweeting. I I don't think she did anything like major, but it was just kind of like, oh my god, what if, I, I don't hey, need the coach's what wife. If, no, 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 no. But what if Coach Fish uses her account as like a burner, and it was really Coach right? Fish? And I'm just saying, like, how do you th- do? You think they not talked about it at the dinner table or something? And they probably call me a bozo and everything. <laughs> I don't know. I it was all you know. I don't want to say in good fun, but I didn't take it that serious. But I was just like. Oh, football parent. I was like, oof, I don't need football parents in my in my in my mentions. Um, so I always I I always I'm just kind of tiptoeing through the through the week here. Um, and now that it's Thursday, I guess I'm just kind of um uh, spilling the tea. But just to just to bring it back home here on Arizona as we kind of finish things out, um, uh, the Wildcats have lost their last four games in conference play. Um and yeah, they lost last Saturday 45 to 20. At Utah, Arizona has allowed allowed the Utes to rush for a season high three hundred and six yards. Uh, the Wildcats you, get, you know, we like to run the ball. <laughs> Real quick, actually, forget some of the Arizona stuff a little bit. Just that fact alone transitions me. It transitions into what I'm going to say. I saw at practice on Tuesday. Zach Charbonnet practices. I saw a, a fairly healthy looking Zach Charbonnet catching balls, stutter stepping. Cutting on the routes, looking good. Still got the bandages and stuff, but looking good. But everyone else that you read off on the stat sheet last week or in the last episode for last week's game in the running back, you know, in the running back room, Mm -hmm. they were all on the sideline. Kaz Allen too? Kaz, Keegan, and TJ Harden, who didn't play last week. 
And I was like, oh, Colson Yankoff. Colson's fine. Colson's a dog. Okay. He, he he did media availability. He's so humble. He's funny. Um, but um, so it was a little worrisome. I think Keegan practice. I'm not sure about Kaz on Wednesday. Um, but when I saw him, they were doing. They were sitting on a chair and they were doing the. I guess I had to look it up. It's called the battle rope. You know that that. Um, on oh, sitting on a chair though. Yeah. After they did the bike, I don't think the thing is is both Keegan and Kaz hobbled off the field like early in the second quarter, but both came back and finished the game. So you're not really thinking too much about it. And then you see him on practice. I see him on practice on Tuesday and I'm like, mm, this ain't good. So it was a little worrisome, but I think they're fine. Um, I think Chip said Keegan was going to practice and I think he did practice. Um, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I, you know, obviously you're not going to get too much of them. I think you're going to get Zach Charbonnet running the ball. Um, especially some Christian grab time. Yeah, he was there. And then Deshaun Merle was there, but he has a club on his on his left hand. Um, but we're still catching balls. And then um, so yeah, it might be the Christian Grub show. You never know. <laughs> um, but I think you gotta at least get Charbonnet involved a little bit, get him some reps, kind of get it, get the 100%. Juices, get the juices flowing instead of just waiting for the, the USC game. Um and and uh, Brent Brown didn't play in the USC game last year. And I think that was the first full game Charbonnet had of like getting most of the carries. I don't remember how he did, but I think if anything, you know, there ain't going to be any nerves for him in the rivalry game. I don't know if I don't think Charbonnet gets nervous, to be honest. Um, but just to finish up on Arizona here a little bit. Uh, the Wildcats uh, mentioned they gave up. Yeah, the Wildcats give up the second most yards and points per game. In the Pac-12, only behind Colorado, who who has allowed 45 points or more. No, wait. Uh, no, the, the Wildcats have allowed 45 or more points in five of their last six conference games. Jane Delore ranks seventh in the nation, though, in passing yards. But he was held to 159 yards last week. That's the thing I'm worried about. Is Jane Delore. Is Arizona's ability to put up points. Because they have lost all these games. Mm-hmm. But in every almost every game other than Utah, they've been they've also put up points too. Yeah, like they've they haven't lost by much. And like I said, it was different last year or this year. Is Jed has firepower? You know, Jay mm-hmm. Delora is passing the ball, rushing the ball. Even versus SC, he punted the ball. Like he there's a, there's a lot of things that he can do, and um, they have some weapons around him. And I mean, our defense, the way that we finished the game last week, mm-hmm. you know, kind of questionable. So I think making a statement going into SC week is the defense showing up and shutting out, you know, uh, explosive offense. And I think that will carry over until next week. So I, I, I agree, especially because the Arizona team kind of reminds me of USC, a lot of offense, a lot of like talent could put up numbers then there maybe there's some question marks on defense. Like it's one of these games where it might be a, you, you might match score for score. And it's about the importance of your defense for UCLA to try and continue to create those turnovers. Um, Devin Kirkwood uh, did not practice on Tuesday when I was out there. I don't think he, he didn't practice on Monday either. Um, so maybe he's not playing in this game. Obviously Jalen Davies did pretty well. I think he has two interceptions and recovered a fumble they took for 37 yards and almost scored a touchdown, but was called out on the one in that Utah game. So on the defense, Chip Kelly was asked, or about Arizona's defense, Chip Kelly was asked, um, what is different? 
from this year's team compared to last year's team? And I thought his um I, I thought his answer was kind of interesting because he didn't mention um Jason Kafusi and Johnny Nance, and both of them were on his defensive staff last year. Obviously, Jerry Azanero, um, who you're very familiar with, was the defensive coordinator um for the first four years under Chip Kelly. Um and then um real quick, obviously, new defensive coordinator Bill McGovern is listed as day to day. Um was not out at practice again. I think he was hanging out in the offices. So we're still got to figure his situation out, but maybe because it's, well, he was not the other Rose bowl game, um, the game at the Rose bowl. So he's day to day, but anyways, back to what I was saying, um, Johnny Nansen, Jason Kafusi, both guys that chip is familiar with. They were on his staff when chip was asked, um, what is different about this year's team? It did not mention either one of them. Um, which I thought was a little interesting, but here's what he said about um, the defense for Arizona. It's a different scheme. It's a different coordinator. Donnie, Donnie Brown left and went to become the head coach at UMass. So I think there is a scheme change. There's still basically a four, two, five operation. Donnie ran a lot of packages. There was third down, two down. No, there was three down, two down, one down, five down. I think they settled a little bit more. I think their sound in their approach on the defensive side of the ball. They've got some really good athletes on that side of the ball that run around. I think they're mixing some younger players in right now. Um, they're trying to get younger players, more reps, integrate them into the system. But it really, it's a really sound system, and you need to be you need to be prepared because they got a good mix. They're not just playing one style. They're blitzing you sometimes. Uh, in man another time or no yeah they're blitzing you some plays putting man behind it uh, then other plays are going to play too deep and try to keep the ball in front of them so I think it's really sound defense and we got to prepare going against them um, so kind of an interesting kind of take there again he did not mention Johnny Nance's name I think that's a little weird um, but have you ever been in a situation like that Josh where I mean, well, I don't. You didn't play against Jed Fish, but has there been anyone where you've had someone that was on your side as a coach, and now they're the on, on the opposing side, and it it almost goes back to the the Dan Landing thing, right, with Georgia and and playing against them when he's at Oregon. Like, is there any advantage disadvantage there? Did that happen? Did you guys have any of that during your career? We played so the Mazzonis where the. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach my freshman year. They left and went to Texas A&M mm. where we faced them again. And then they went to Arizona where we faced them again. So okay. I have faced um, that and the offense was pretty similar at all three places. So mm-hmm. – I think that's the only coaches I had to face after they left UCLA. Do they talk? Do they talk about that though? Is that something like, hey, we know, you know, hey, or do you think they're in there? Hey, we, you know, we, I mean, some of the guys aren't there, and obviously most of the guys aren't there anymore, but hey, like Jed was with us or Jed was here, like we know what he can do, or like, I don't know. Is there any kind of like reference to like, I mean, it's different because they left the staff. Like they left the staff, and a lot of the coaches were still around, mm-hmm. rather than nobody except Coach Foster 
would probably know. Yeah. Rem probably remembers. Cause think about yeah, another defense was there. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was different. Cause like when they when when the Mazonis went to AM, mm-hmm. our defense have coaches were there the whole time. So like they remember the offense that we went in. Like we were watching UCLA tape at times to pick up on tendencies mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so this is kind of different, like I said, because nobody was here with fish other than Coach Foster and um Jerry might remember a little bit, but other than that, like Okay. I have a question for you then. So going back to Kafusi and Nansen. So both of them were on the staff last year. Obviously, they weren't the defensive coordinator. One, mm-hmm. when when especially Ben Bolch asked Chip Kelly last season, who's calling the plays on defense? It's probably Jerry Azanero, right? But he would say, Oh, it's a coop effort. It's everybody. <laughs> he would say it's a team effort. You know, the whole staff comes together and decides on things. I don't know. But we're just like, who's calling the play? But anyways. If if Kafusi or Nansen are not the defensive coordinator, is there anything that you can you would they would still maybe know or learn or or like? You might have similar techniques, um, and play styles that they that they stand on, and they're gonna incorporate wherever they go. Gotcha. So certain things like that, like O line, right? Remember, oh, like when I when I in my um pass block, they had their the D linemen or the DNs doing this move a lot mm-hmm. they like this in certain past situations they like doing this stunt a lot certain mm-hmm. things like that to pick up on because um for a lot of the pass rush things d the d-line coach is in charge of no matter what the um no matter what the defense coordinator usually calls like the stunts are usually set up by the d-line coach mm-hmm. so during the game yeah so say the call is for example, we call ours, it'll be like, of course, ours is different, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. it'll say it's, say it's um, even games white, right? So even as the front games is, is telling them that they're going to do a, a stunt and then mm-hmm. white is the coverage. As soon as the D-line hears games, they look to the sideline, not the play caller, but the D-line coach. And the D-line mm-hmm. coach will give them a signal of what stunt they're going to do. And the same thing is, is you do in college as they'll they'll call a play mm-hmm. and if games or um whatever that that word yeah is that trigger whatever word the, is yeah yeah to make you look at your d-line coach and see what you're gonna get are you gonna get double text double ears you know the terminology might be a little different and the right. signals might be a little different but it's still there's only so many stunts you can do on <laughs> right. a d-line okay in that amount of time so possibly that's something that they mm. could remember but i mean like if you were going against let's say so for example because you you uh were coached closely by kafusi correct mm-hmm. that was your position coach so like if you were on the ucla coaching staff or a player right now you would say you know you don't have to say what it is but you would say oh yeah i know kafusi's gonna teach is teaching them this this and that like, yeah, you, I mean, you, there's just certain techniques like, oh, they might he might try to work some up and unders, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain things like that, but not anything too game changing that's gonna make the difference in like. Yeah, I don't think that it's a position where yeah it would make you know, gotcha. It's not like you're you're going against the the run game coordinator or the pass game coordinator, you know, things mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. things like that where like that gotcha has a higher impact or. 
Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It depends on the position and the position sometimes. Okay. Okay. We're learning. Oh, there's another coach. Oh, uh, coach me. That was another coach that I had to face against. And that, that one was, that one hit closer to home. I always forget that when he was at Arizona. Everyone goes to Arizona. Dodry was there too. No, it was like an offensive guy, I think, but. Yeah, but every like, it was like every time there was a play over there, like we were talking mess to coach meat, but it was all love. <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. That's good stuff. So you think uh, some of them might be waving at Kafusi, maybe. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, the four two five operation, as shit calls it. Um, mm-hmm. four, four two five defense. Can you just you don't have to spend too much time on it, but can you just break down what that means? Uh, four two five. Uh, it's a nickel defense, so you're gonna have four down D linemen, two two linebackers, and five DBs. Um, and pretty much you're taking out your Sam linebacker and putting in a nickel DB extra body. Uh, that buys usually in a guard, whoever's in the slot. Um, traditionally it's used more in pass, but I mean that's their base defense. It could also range. It depends how you play it as well. Because your four, your four two five, the body types, mm-hmm. it could end up kind of being like a two four five if your outside linebackers are, or your DNs are more outside linebackers. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do with that. You can see. I can talk about this all day. So you could slide to it. It can end mm-hmm. up being more of a three three depending on which DN outside linebackers you have on the field. Um, like I said, I haven't watched many of Arizona games, so I don't know who they have and what they do with it. But I mean, there's a lot of things you can spin off of that. But I imagine first us, they might need to change that nickel to another linebacker. If you want to stop oh, you, the run, I would uh, I would yeah. okay. I would take that deep that nickel out and put another linebacker and I would try to run a four three. Because I don't know many DBs that are tackling Zach Charbonnet by themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, cause no, cause the, and the reason I asked about that is too, just because I'm kind of curious. You know, we talked about what UCLA, you know, what edge they may have knowing Nansen and Kafusi, but now it, yeah, I wonder what Kafusi and Nansen can share, especially since now Nansen's the defensive coordinator, and I know what Nansen wasn't there when you were there, right? But no, he was at he was at SC. He was at SC, but but he saw and went up against this offense in practice every day, and he knows Dorian's. I don't know about tendencies, maybe tendencies, but he knows what kind of guy Dorian is. Even Charbonnet to some degree, but maybe that makes it even that much better when uh, they're running all over a guy that who they practiced against every day. Um, but no, I, I that's something I didn't even consider. Maybe I should have should have done. More on that. Um, anyways, just the CFP stuff was like too much. But no, that was just kind of interesting. Thank you for explaining the the four two five there. Um and stuff like that. Because at first I thought, oh yeah, that's a good thing. You want to have as many uh DBs as possible for the passing game. But I f- forgot about Zach Charbonnet. That that changes everything. <laughs> that changes everything. That yeah. Okay. Uh let's hop into some questions. I'm done asking my questions. Let's hear what the folks on Twitter had to say. Um, some of them are, are kind of familiar. Let's see. One from Nick Sieha. I think that's how you say it. Not too familiar with him on face on on Facebook, Ugh. on Twitter. Um, he says, and I feel like maybe did you talk about this with Kenny? 
Um, who was the most athletic player that you shared the field with during your time at UCLA, uh, both as an opposing, both an opposing player and a, and a teammate? So most athletic guy you went up against and most athletic guy that you've had on your team. Uh, definitely Christian McCaffrey for opponent. Did you ever have um, to tackle Christian, McC- Christian McCaffrey yes. by yourself? And did yes. you do it? Yes. I'm going to look up the tape. <laughs> I had a few. I can show you pictures. I, okay. I, yes. And I've <laughs> had to so. guard him one-on-one. So he, yeah, okay, he was okay. a problem. And um, did you, sorry, I'm now I'm asking questions. Did you, did you know that was a possibility? Was that part of the game plan? Like, were you spying? Oh, him? Definitely were, were you assigned to him? I mean, when you're running man, somebody got to get him. I mean, I mean, it, <laughs> and they, I think they had him and Dalton Schultz, and that was a crazy two people to, you know, run banjo against. Was this during his, uh, the season Chip always talks about the Heisman? Was this the Heisman season where he, you know, I, he this, obviously didn't win it, but like, but everyone thought he should have won it when he set the record that Barry Sanders had or something i don't know if it was that year or the year the year after because they tried to overuse him his last year and that's why he got hurt they did the same mm-hmm. thing to bryce love though so they just run him into the ground that's what they're trying yeah. not to do with charbonnet that's probably that's kind of probably why he didn't play last week <laughs> i hope so <laughs> um, um and then yeah teammate miles jack i think we talked about that mm-hmm. we did we did um hey your boy uh Chris Barnes came back this past week for the Packers and had eight tackles. My dog. Yeah. yeah. Let him in. Um, yeah. Glad to see him back out yeah. there and, you know, and I think, helping. And I think Sean Ryan got his first action too for the Packers. There's like three guys from USC, UCLA on the Packers. Uh, I think Sean Ryan got four, his first snaps. At least There's four. Kenny Clark. Mercedes Lewis. And Mercedes Lewis, who I think had like one catch. And I'm like, wait, only one catch. Um, he's not, but he's not there to catch the ball. Oh, he's not. Okay. That's a big I just body. hear his name. I just hear his name all the time. Like it's like one of the greats in UCLA history. Um, 100%. Um, so yeah. So the, the Packers. So yeah, I saw that earlier today about, um, about Chris Barnes coming back. Um, next question. Um, uh, this comes from Jesse Garcia on Twitter, who says, which game did you find harder to play in the game before or after USC? I feel like I feel like you answered this already. Well, actually, that was more of which one was more of a trap game. But maybe yeah, we, we answered that last week. I was like, because personally, we yeah, that game, the games in my time, you say that it mm-hmm. the, the SC game never the games before and after never really mattered as much. For yeah. us personally, do you wish that they had the USC as the last game of the season? Do you ever wish like that was the last game of the season instead, like the second to last game? Yes and no, because I say no, so we kind of have a, a easy game going into the Pac-12 championship in my mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. Kind of a little red, rather than like playing them and then having another tough game right after. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I mean, Cal's kind of rivalry too, so it's like yeah, you get double, you know, two of them. It's kind of it's kind of interesting because like I look at it from like Oregon standpoint, like because I listen to Sirius XM. I've mentioned that a few times. I'm on some of those Pac-12 shows um, as a guest sometimes to talk about UCLA football. But one of them, Jeff Schwartz, he's like an Oregon guy, 
and he says the Oregon State, like Oregon, Oregon State is not the right. That's like a big brother, little brother thing more than a rivalry. He said the rivalry is with Washington and what that that game is this week. Um, but I find it interesting that they look at that as more of the rivalry instead of the last game of the season for Oregon, which is Oregon State. You know what I mean? It's like the Washington game is a bigger deal to them. And I think that's kind of that's what kind Cal of- is because that the UC thing, the UC regions and all that, the, the UC system, like. I think I don't know if Cal. I wouldn't say I don't know if I'd say Cal's like little brother, or you could tell me is Cal like the little brother. I mean, they're the they're the weird cousin, maybe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the weird cousin. That's okay. Okay. Or them Stanford, and them and Stanford. Stanford. I was like, yeah, the weird them. cousin. <laughs> okay, yeah, I say Stanford's the weird cousin. Cal's mm-hmm. the little brother. Okay. Okay, that works. Um. I was going to ask you about the all the USC festivities and stuff, but we'll save that for next week on, on everything that goes into it for game week. Cause do you guys do the bonfire thing or is yeah, that USC? A, okay. Well, no, they both, they both do. They both do it. Okay. Well, I'll ask about the bonfire stuff next week. Um, I'm trying to think what else I had for you. Oh, they had the chess guy come. Let me get his name. So I don't just call him the chess guy. Um, <laughs> um, I maybe do you know how to say his last name? Seth Mikowski. I just Seth. know him by Seth. Okay. First name yeah, basis. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, Seth is a guy, he's like some chess expert. Um, he goes around, he's worked with like a bunch of different um like pro athletes and stuff. Um, some like some champions and like just some guys that it's just kind of interesting. I, I would love to sit there and just watch him, but I know Dorian's very big on him um, and how he kind of gets the mind going and, and can keep things kind of, I guess, competitive and kind of get your mind going at the same time or something like that. Um, can you just tell me about your experiences with them, even if you're not maybe a big chess guy or maybe you are, you could tell me if you're, if you are or not, but just what, what is it like when this Seth guy comes around? Um, I mean, it's really, it's really dope just the way he, challenges us and kind of like the way he uses chess and football together and just like i mean it, when he first came he was only working with the quarterbacks mm-hmm. and then it went to the leadership group and then it went to the whole team so i was part of the second wave mm-hmm. and um like it, it was it was fun and like interesting to, to think just the way it's all about like mindset you know it's not really about just chess or just you know, mm-hmm. football, but just the way you look and think of things, you know, certain moves, thinking ahead under different circumstances, like um, the way he had the quarterbacks doing, even Darnay, just like different. Oh, things. yeah. Darnay Perfect. was big on it, too. Yeah. I yeah, think he's Darnay, still even Darnay after. Darnay is still yeah. one of the, yeah, one of the, mm-hmm. the bigger guys that was into it. And just like the way they were using like different distractions, different things and incorporating them into workouts and mm-hmm. plays and making your stuff, listen to the music while you're doing there, you know, oh, really? the different things. Um, I think, you know, it probably helped Dorian a lot, just like continuing to mature and grow his mindset and mm-hmm. factor out distractions, thinking ahead, you know, um, and like you said, like he's worked with so many people and then like his brand is continuing to grow. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It just it just wasn't chess wasn't my thing, but 
I you don't appreciate play chess, the life huh? lessons and the, yeah. and the experience, though. So you're not playing Chester in your free time? No. At one point, everybody was playing. Like, I know. It was like a thing, right? Yeah. Like, even like, like, like he like came the and then phone. it's on. Right. Yeah. Like people were like playing <laughs> on the phone, like versus a computer, like all those different type of things. Like it was definitely a UCLA trend. And I mean, they still they still do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this got me thinking and we'll we'll get you out on this question, Josh. Um it's kind of random because we never get to see it or we never really get to hear about it. But I, I've seen it like pop up on like social media or I think a player will post it. But sometimes you'll have some like real good special guest um, that will come and talk to the team. And I know like Bill Belichick was there not too long ago, I think like last season or something. Um, I think Kyle Phillips said he ran into Bill Belichick once on campus. Um, who Who are some like who is a guy or someone that spoke that you um remember or that you were excited for i think we might have talked about this before i don't know was gary v Thank there you. when you were there i yes he okay. didn't really talk to us like that but he was at practice um okay. you're saying he johnson yeah. probably was the best him and then um et the hip-hop preacher oh i've heard about that i've heard about him yeah 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 what, what was he the, like the hip-hop fired player. up i mean really? he is everything you imagine that speech to be like you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying it was Who, like who's that. responsible for bringing him i mean is chip's not the, 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 i mean the i'm chip, i mean right? i'm i don't know i don't know how that works as far as or maybe they just somebody kinda, in the program yeah. reaching out or chip reaching out because i mean mm-hmm. some people are um like chip's friends Right, you know what I'm saying, like, like Bill Belichick. <laughs> right. Yeah, like where he does know, you know, Eric Spolstra right. at practice, like you know, like right, right. situations like that where it's just like, oh, that's just Chip. Chip knows his friend, and he just mm-hmm. there. Because um, I know, like Inky, like he's kind of like all over the place. Like he's he's kind of always talking somewhere. He's always kind of doing his thing, right? Yeah, I don't know how that works, but okay. interesting. It was, it was really good. Is there was there ever a big sports figure like like a bill belichick or someone during your time they be around they don't really give us speeches talk. though uh, okay gotcha um why can i not think of his name right now you, um, you read like he oh was just in movie... um he was just in the movie with kevin hart um he was in Four Brothers. Why can't I think of his name right now? Um, I forgot. Don't know who we're talking about on the podcast. If you know who Josh is talking about, send us uh, the name on Twitter, and uh, we'll shout you out right on now. the next podcast. Or Josh will find it right now. Is he the one that was on that um, HBO show? Uh, on Ballers or something? No, Donovan Carter, no. Oh, okay. I, I mean, he's alumni, so that's kind of... Oh, okay, okay. Mark Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg talked to us after practice one oh, time. Oh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> was he? What, what did you say? Oh, he's an actor. Okay, I don't know why I was thinking like. Okay, what did Mark Wahlberg say? Anything good? I mean, good things about Chip. He had just finished, <laughs> and, and like God. about about working working hard, and like he had just finished playing golf, and he he, he came by. Um, shorter than I, shorter than I thought. I thought he was a little bit taller. Hmm. That's what the t- that's what the the movie screen does for you, Josh. 
All right, Josh. Uh, big playoff game for you coming up. Uh, are you yes, excited? Sir. Any thoughts? Are you traveling? Is this a home game for you guys? No, this is the way. We're playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They won, or like they, they won the West, so they had a first round bye. So we're traveling into their territory. So they're the, the number one seed this, in the West. Yeah, they were the best team in the league. So Ooh. beating for this one, the winner goes to the championship. So no pressure, Josh. No, but we. Did you guys play him this season already? Yeah, we we need that revenge. What was the score, Josh? They won <laughs> the they... first one. We won okay. the second one. Oh, so you guys played him twice already? They won the third one. Okay, how many times you guys? Oh, well, yeah, you said you. Everybody plays it. Yeah, everybody plays you it. Said like you three played times. like twenty four games. Jesus. Okay. Wow. But the thing is, we played them. Uh-huh. They had a buy. Mm. We played them. And they had a bye last week. So literally, we have been the only team they've played in like the past month. And they've had oh, a wow. they've had a bye. They've had a bye between each game. I'm saying the schedule was so set up just, for them. So they're just sitting there thinking about you. Like literally only us. Wow. That's kind of crazy. And we've had to play somebody between each one. So like think how rested they are. I hope Damn. they're a little too rested. <laughs> We will find out. That's a Friday, a Saturday game? Sunday. Sunday. Oh, that's right. You said all the games are on Sunday now, right? All right, Josh. Cool, man. Uh, Well, we wish you the best of luck. We wish UCLA the best of luck as they kind of get ready here to, and they continue their playoff push. Josh has his playoff push going on with the BC Lions. UCLA has their thing going on here, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, They can't slip up, Josh. They cannot afford to slip up. And then hopefully it will result in the rankings coming up. Um, again, make sure you guys go ahead and follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at JHW Reporter. You can follow the show at Believe UCLA. Josh, your handle is what? Underscore Woodsy underscore J on Twitter. Yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter and um on Instagram and everywhere else as well. Everywhere else as well, because who knows what Twitter will look like a week from now. Um, But with that being said, I do have some interviews coming up. Maybe I'll play some of those on the podcast here in the next week. Um, And and we'll see what else, what other surprises we may have for you guys next week. But yeah, I'll be doing some different interviews, some CFP stuff, and I'll get some of that audio back and hopefully... um, it's some interesting conversations leading up to the next playoff rankings here. Um, but outside of that, make sure you guys are going ahead, sharing the podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and we will catch you in the next one. And remember, this podcast, the Believe in UCLA football podcast, was presented by Bet Online. Thank you, guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.